خود نفتاز Johnny is my name from from uh, Kilworthing County Cork is my home club, yeah. so hello to all the boys back there. Um, we're in, on the go now for five years. Abu Dhabi Fianna Gaelic Football and Hurling Club. Um, we're, we've always had great support from the Irish Society and Nolene Side. Um, we're we've got a ladies team that you can see trained there now, Paddy, and we also have a men's team. There are seven teams in the Gulf, Paddy, all together: mm-hmm. Riyadh, Dhahran, Bahrain. Dubai, Kuwait and ourselves and Oman as well. So that's, that's, it's fairly strong at the moment. Different game from at home, Paddy. Just every 10 minutes you have to have a water break because of the, obviously the excessive heat. Right. Right. It's hard at times. And the GA was founded officially. Well, there's always been Irish expatriates in this area since, um, since the days of Mike Daly and uh, the old blue shot there from Kildare. He, he's been here since 1957. But um, it's always been on and off and kind of people coming together for adding pokerons, that kind of stuff. But it was formally started 11 years ago in Dahran, Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. by four people and uh, that was the start of the Gaelic Games and it, from there it really took off and now there are seven organised clubs in the Gulf and you can see they're quite competitive the standard would be like it wouldn't be great now a lot of them would be old fellas with bellies hanging off them like myself but young, younger lads you know, to be like a good junior team at home put it that way Dubai are very strong Are you here many years yourself? I'm here now uh, this is my seventh year Paddy and uh, I was four years before that in Saudi Arabia as well then so I've been in a while now. I like it out here. The weather is nice, and there's no attacks. And it's, yes, you know yourself. Not as safe as well. There's no very little crime here. You know, you see that yourself when you were shopping in Abu Dhabi. And you know, there's no um, not like at home. Really, I suppose. It's, you it's know how to deal with criminals here, Paddy. What do you mean? Well, I mean they'd be fairly right-wing when it comes to you know if somebody damages property or, damages or injures a person, then they're made to pay for it in full. The other thing, of course, when you're in the towns at night, there's not the same drink culture as at home, is there? That's true, but we're, we're, you're right, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but as you know yourself, like, we're lucky really in this country, it's a very free country, Sheikh Zayed is the president, and we're allowed to have bars here and everything, but it must be very discreet. If you're found with alcohol in your blood in public, it's an offence. So generally speaking, the lads wouldn't tend to get taxis home and things, and just be careful. There's no loutish kind of uh, behaviour in the middle of town at night time at all, you're right. That's great freedom, isn't it, when you don't have to worry about being mugged at night that's a lovely quality of life I think so yeah and I, 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 I've married now uh, Paddy as well and I have two um, two daughters as well so it's a great comfort to me my wife Mary you know, she, she, me and Mary Kirby from Glenworth she, she'd go um, shopping at midnight with no bother to her you know whereas at home she wouldn't so that was a big decision in your life to move out here and frightening yeah mm-hmm. I came out actually during the Gulf War when, in the first Gulf War 91 mm-hmm. the skies were black with smoke and it was, it was very traumatic but we settled down and Mm-hmm. It's a good company I worked for, and then eventually mm-hmm. we settled in here. I like it. May I know what kind of work it is that you do? Sure, yeah, I work for a company called HCT, and we sell training programs to the military and to the oil companies and to the police.
And of the two countries, the years you were in Saudi Arabia and the years you're here in the UAE, um, can you say what was what way did they compare? Yes, um, I mean, I was very glad to get the job in Saudi because it kind of, you know, it's financially it was quite good for me to move from Ireland at the time. But I found Saudi quite restrictive, uh, and my wife had to cover her hair when she went out and that kind of stuff. Whereas here in the United Arab Emirates, it's a sure you see it yourself, Paddy, you're walking around. It's a very, very free country. You can, you know, there's none of that whole of the carry on. We have, a, we have a Catholic church here, we have a Protestant church, and there's a Hindu temples, and whatever you want to be, you can be here. It's a very, very free country. Whereas in all of Saudi Arabia, there isn't one. Uh, ben, how's it going, boy? Can I introduce Paddy here? Yeah, of course you can. This is Ben Kyo. Nice to meet you, Paddy. You're all right. You're the captain of the uh, which, which Fiena, the Abu Dhabi Fiena. Of the Abu Dhabi Fiena, yeah. yeah. So yeah. You're, you're just sweating now from training tonight. Well, that's it? it. Just I've been out for a quick run out with the girls first to put them through the paces. Right. And we just saw the last big hard session before the tournament in the Gulf next week. Once a year we get all the teams in from Saudi Arabia and Bahrain and Qatar, mm-hmm. and it's a good time. It's very competitive. Yeah. By your voice, you're from Liverpool. I, I am, I am, yes. I never played guard until I came here. <laughs> and it was just that there wasn't much of a soccer scene in Abu Dhabi. Mm-hmm. And all my friends were Irish, so they dragged me along and it took to it sooner. There you go, Mark Hallett. Mark Hallett had, uh, in the first half, two one possessions. He had four in the second and tracked back six times. Yeah, Mark, Mark Keenan, uh, first half, six possessions. Well, we have a competition coming up. The finals are coming up Thursday week. Right. So it'll be one of our last practices on Thursday morning. Bright and early on the weekend. You're breathless now, I know, but if I could talk to you yeah, for a moment. Yeah, no problem. You're captain of the team here. I've been playing the last three to four years here. I didn't really play at home in Monaghan, but when I came out to Abu Dhabi, I didn't play the first few years, and then I was talked into it. It was more of a social interest here at the beginning, but it actually gets quite serious, especially at this time of the year now with the Golf Championships coming up next week. So who will you play against now during the Golf Championships? Uh, we're playing against a couple of teams in the Golf this year. Uh, we're not sure yet exactly who, but definitely our big rivals, Dubai, and probably a team or two from Saudi Arabia, and maybe one from Kuwait. We're just waiting on final numbers at the moment. Now, as you say, there's a lot of expats here, um, Scottish, English, Australian swan. Do Arabian people ever play GAA? Well, I actually played against a Kuwaiti here two years ago in Nishela and Nubaya, yeah. completely covered in Gaelic yeah. and in GAA, yeah. There was a Kuwaiti GAA game there was, team? There was, yeah, mostly Irish and expats, but there was one local lady on the team. She was a corner forward, she was about six six foot or more mm-hmm. so uh, yeah a good player and was fully covered so yeah it is starting to spread throughout she was fully countries. covered you mean in clothing like uh, well in a national dress she had the headscarf on and mm-hmm. uh, tracksuit bottoms and shorts and yeah right. yeah so it's good to see it I like the quality of life here I like the climate um, it gets a bit hot towards May and June but as a teacher I'm usually out of here by the end of June so I miss that very uh, high humidity and heat. Um, I like being an expat. I like the kind of friends I've made here over the years. And I like my job here as well. So, yeah, it's a nice experience, but miss home at the same time. Glad to get home eventually. What do you teach? Uh, I'm teaching um, English to primary school children, local little girls over here in a VIP school in Abu Dhabi. I suppose a Westerner will always look uh, more noticeable than a, a local, but in your case, you have red hair and freckles. You're so obviously... Yeah, uh, so <laughs> definitely. Yeah. yeah, they do. And actually, it was funny, the first few times I was in taxis over here, 
Uh, a lot of the taxi men were very confused by the freckles and thought I had a disease or something. But no, at that stage, they were probably not as used to seeing freckles. But now, with the increase in the expat community over here, they're used to them now. And red but, yeah. hair, like not that many people would have red hair. No, not so many. But apparently, uh, one of the local ladies was telling me here that the the uh, locals actually, when they go to Saudi Arabia and the Hajj, they actually dye their hair red. So for that reason, there, you know, it's kind of unique, and I think I'm very religious. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them would think that it was dyed. What's that? You know, Shukran, huh? Abu Dhabi Mall. Yes, Shukran. Oh, no, that's my only. I don't know. No speaking Arabic. Shukra. Thank you. <laughs> I've lived in Abu Dhabi for three years, but before that, I lived in Saudi for three years. I moved over to Abu Dhabi basically for love because my wife came here, but she was my fiance at the time, and I followed her over. She's from Australia, so this Irish lad goes all the way over to Saudi Arabia to meet his wife from Australia. So that was me in Abu Dhabi. I got a job working in the higher colleges of technology, and um, that's my how I got started off here in, in, in the UAE. Why did you choose to leave Dublin in the first place? Well, it's a terrible thing to say, but I was working as a school teacher in Dublin, and I just knew, I knew like on the first day I came back in, into school in September, what I'd be saying on any given day in February, and I just thought like that, I, I could do more with myself. I'm not going to say I'm sorry to say, but I just, I just want to see could I do more with myself. And having thought that, I got a phone call from a, an employment agency in town that he asked me, did I want to see someone about doing an interview and it turned out to be the British Aerospace in uh, Saudi Arabia. And so are you teaching still? Yeah, I'm teaching uh, computers to uh, an Abu Dhabi Women's College out here, which is actually an initiative out here to get the women in the UAE uh, fully trained up in third level training. Right. They have a women's college and a men's college, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Education is segregated here, yeah, uh, at all ages as far as I'm aware. Even a third level, yeah. Oh, very much so at third level. You oh. can't have, like, um, how would you put it, like students of marriageable age intermingling uh, at all. They don't mind a male teacher? Uh, no. One of the reasons for that is because it gets the students used to taking instructions from some, from an, another male it's not a family member because once they go into the workplace they're going to be working with well anybody and everybody so it, it's a really big step for them like you can see like when the girls come into the college in their first year like they're really like oh, what's all this about and then but then as they get down to the when they finish off it's like they're just like any student anywhere else and in the men's college they do the same they have women working in the men's college so I need to say the guys have to get used to getting told what to do by women which is not something that would be the norm here, but like when they go to work somewhere, well, they're the junior and the senior could be a woman, so you just have to deal with the, what you're told. Like, and your friends, would they be other Irish people and other expats of various nationalities? Mainly other nationalities. Like, mm-hmm. it, it really is people from all over the world here. Like, just yeah. like you, you find yourself like in work sitting at a table and you'll have like somebody from Australia, an Irish guy, an American, a Canadian, someone from the UK, mm-hmm. and nationality isn't an issue. Everybody is all talking about the same thing, like the your pension fund, your currency conversion, mm-hmm. you know, where are we going on our next trip away, like what the kids are doing in school, it's all stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's 
Would there be many friendships or interaction between the locals, the uh, people, the, the native people of the area, and uh, expatriate workers like yourself? Well, I mean, I'm working in a, in a school here, so like there are there are quite a few um, local lo- locals here, but they're all women, and uh, it's very difficult for them to have a friendship with you. Like it's just a case of it; their families don't encourage that, and they don't really want it. So you don't find too many friendships mm. like that. Um, like in the building we live in, in there's like a couple of uh, local people who live in the building, and we're very friendly with, with one another. But like, it's good morning, how's it going? Like, uh, if they see you, you know, struggling in with a lot of groceries, they will help you. You'll help them. But like, you know, I couldn't really tell you what Florida you've done, or what apartment you've done, like that mm. that kind of thing. So you don't. It's a friendship to a point, but not mm. like what we call like like you wouldn't go for points with them. Kind of yeah. Our socialising does involve going for a pint, doesn't it? Uh, what ours does in the car stairs, doesn't it? We're down in the city centre now, Mike. What's the name of the street we're on? And the traffic is just... One after the other. Bloody truck just yes. blocks up the whole way. There is a bottle. Yalla. Don't let him out. My score my neck. Look at the blood. Look, it just stops there and blocks up the whole traffic. When I first came here 46 years ago, there was nothing. No water, no electricity, no roads, no houses. Just this, an island with the constantly flooded. And it used to be called the Trucial States then, I think, yeah. was it? Yeah, was the Premier Shane. He got the throne. And the poor the old man is still alive. I haven't seen him for, yeah, I know, it was eight or nine months, so he's, he's not very well on his feet. Uh-huh. Sheikh Said is the man whose image we see around the city, I think. Is yeah, that's the man. He'd be about... I suppose 84 or no, 85, maybe. A bit younger than I was. Six years younger than yourself, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, go on up, straight, go on up. Straight. And the fountains in the centre, that's former resident of great friend of mine, Sheikh Salur. He's now the ruler's uh, favourite wife, Fatima. Favourite wife, Fatima. She lives in there now. It's a castle place. Beautiful. His favourite wife, yeah. Yeah. So, how, how many wives does he have? God knows. <laughs> I think I will come in. Huh? We're going there. Uh, no. You say, even though there was lack of water and so on, you say the people were hospitable here always. Oh, you say. yes. The water came from Dubai in oil in diesel oil drums. It always tasted of diesel. This is a lovely Jaguar, by the way, Mike, because uh, this is your car, yes? Yes. Since I could afford it, I've always had a Jag. And a driver? No, 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 recently, late yeah. So you were driving yourself up till recently? Yeah, up till a couple of months ago. Right. And I decided this. At 91, <laughs> you should be driving. <laughs> I do sometimes. Yeah. We pop in for a, This is my humble abode. This is your house. Your house. I will bring them in. Okay. Gosh, beautiful room. Absolutely beautiful room.
It's a lovely, comfortable home you have here in Abu Dhabi. Yeah. And can I bring you back now uh, to North Cork? Yeah, born in uh, the parish of Ballandine, which is close to Kildurri, Mitchestown for Moy. I'm halfway between Mitchestown and Mallow. There's a village called Kildurri, on top of the hill, so naked and chill, Sands famous Kildurri town. Bred, born and reared on a farm, I had to... Before you went to school, as soon as you got the age of 10 or 12, you milked with a large head of cows, about 40 cows, I suppose, and you milked your share. And then uh, in the summertime, put it in the churns and take it, deliver it to the creamery, where it was separated. And skim milk, we, we got back for the pigs and calves, and the things were fed by skim milk. We uh, bred horses, get cattle and sheep, about 200 acres of land. And boy, it was hard work. I was a member of a family of 12, six boys and six girls. So there was no favourites in me. So there was potato picking, thinning, cabbage planting, everything had to be, everything was done by hand. It was a tough life. Then, uh, in ni- 19... Uh, the, the politics... You ever heard of the Blue Shirts? Yes. Well, I was a, a member. And as such, eventually we got into trouble with the police, so I had to leave Ireland in 1935. And you were age 21. 21. The Blue Shirts at the time, they were um, a movement associated with General O'Duffy. General O'Duffy. General O'Duffy and, and Cronin were the two people in charge. And what attracted you, Mike, into the Blue Shirts? Our opposition to the government. De Valera's government of the De time? De Valera. Mm-hmm. Fianafal. And what were you worried about with De Valera's Fianafal government? Well, we, as farmers, of course, we, were, we always went broke. Because, you know, the, he, uh, the, the old market was the UK and just cancelled it. The economic war with Britain? Oh, uh, yes. Very, very severe. I mean, you couldn't... I mean, calves were born, I remember, they were just thrown on the dunghill. They weren't worth rearing. The milk was more valuable. At two pence a gallon in those days, if I remember rightly. Money was very, very scarce. And that ran you into difficulty, though, at home then, you say, because of um, being involved in the Blue Shirt movement, that that caused you trouble at home, did it? Well, it trouble with the government, because we became engaged in uh, anti-government activities, parades and things like that. We wore this Blue Shirt to stick out a mile. It was just something when you were young. So you left Ireland then what year for the first time? I left Ireland in 1935 and thirty six. A trip to the Middle East in the boat as a coolie, looking for work. Anything was, you did anything that you could. Getting on a boat and being uh, abused by the the chief pastor, he was, he hated the Irish. He had me over the side every bloody day, painting and scraping the place. Mm-hmm. So I jump shipped at Cairo and made my way to uh, Haifa and Palestine for the pipeline building. Joined the Palestine police in 1938. I was posted to Jerusalem after Jerusalem Haifa. What was your experience then of being in the Palestine police in those years? I mean, it's well, I think we were uh, we were more uh, pro-Arab than um, than uh, pro-Jewish. I think the vast majority of Palestine policemen were a bit anti-Jewish because we it was compulsory to learn Arabic. And I also learned Hebrew, of course. 
because the girls wouldn't speak to you if you couldn't uh, speak Hebrew. And it stood me in good stead that I was back on the market in the UK, went to Kirkuk, to Iraq, didn't like it very much. Did the... Intent. Was that with the oil business to go to Kirkuk? Yeah, was it as, as on the pipeline, the, the mm-hmm. uh, construction people. So I was uh, personnel and recruiting because of my Arabic uh, leanings and uh, knowing the, the language... I was useful in recruiting, as we recruited an awful lot of Arab labor from everywhere. So you can imagine the hundreds of miles, and every you moved camp and on everything had to move the kitchens, the workshops, everything. Bechtel Wimpy were the contractors, the American and, and English company. Wimpy's, yes. They were a great outfit. The, and was there many Irishmen came out with Wimpy's to the Middle East then in that construction? There were a lot. Uh, wherever you went in the where labour was required, they were Irish people. And uh, I was with Bechtel Wimpy in uh, Syria. And when I went to Bahrain, I met Audrey, my wife, English girl. Uh, she was working with the uh, IBM. And uh, we got married in Beirut in 1948. And then uh, she came here, and her remark was, she said, Mike, what did you ever do to deserve this, get a posting like this? Here in Abu Dhabi, yeah? Here in Abu Dhabi, because there was nothing. You arrived here in Abu Dhabi in... On the 28th of October, 1958. And you've been here since, you know? Yeah. But she came to live here, yes, when I had a proper house. Poor Audrey. She died in 1978 after about 10 years of suffering cancer. Very, very sad. Michael then, uh, when he... Your eldest son, yeah. Eldest son. So he joined me early on, and he's been with me ever since. He's managing director of the outfit. We've got a a thriving outfit. It's, It's reasonably successful. And I think we're successful because my motto has always been uh, treat the people as you would like to be treated yourself, and you get great response. And what is the business that you and your son are running now? Yeah, we are uh, r- running in the construction business, pipes and fittings and uh, water, especially with water. Mm-hmm. Uh, transport of water. Do people here, do they drink the tap water? Um, or, or do well, they... I drink tap water. Mm-hmm. It never bothers me. But I'm not able to drink, I used to be able to drink bottle of whiskey a day in my young days. We hear the call to prayer. Every day. How many times a day is it? Oh, five times a day, but I hear it first thing in the morning, and at half past twelve, I can hear it in my office. They had then four o'clock in the afternoon, evening. Yeah, I don't know how many times. And we hear it now for the sunset. Yeah. I think. Isn't yeah. It? Religion is very much a part of their life, isn't they it? They seem to go to the mosque and they go to prayer when they want to. Uh, they know that I go to church every, to mass every Sunday morning. But I think I've never lost. And it is possible you can get a Catholic Mass here every Sunday? Every Sunday. Well, I have to build the founder of the first church. Mm-hmm. Chuck Boot was uh, strange that, you know. Chuck Boot was the first ruler before she died. I was Father Connolly. When I first came here, he used to come in a visit. And he came and stayed with me. And he'd say Mass in the house. And the few Catholics were around Indians. They'd come into them. And Chuck Boot heard. And he sent for me. And immediately, first thing he said, I must give you land to build your church up. And he gave us a huge 
I was from the best land in Abidabi to build a church on. He said, why shouldn't you have a church? Why should you have to go out and be in your house? We'll build a church. Do you go back to Ireland then at all? Yes, every year. Every year. And do you enjoy yourself there? You go back to North Cork? Yes. Still got a lot of relations on there. Mm-hmm. Go and visit them. The Keatings. The dailies across the road from us. The other wires. There's so many. Because as you, you go, you say, Jesus, Mick, are you still alive? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're talking to me, Andrew. I must be alive. <laughs> We're on our way now from Abu Dhabi to Dubai, driving Hernoli. And how long will it take us? From Abu Dhabi to Dubai, one and a half hours on a six-lane highway. Right. Paddy. Um, traffic should be okay at this time of the day. Be a fairly straight road across the fairly, desert, I expect. Fairly isn't it? straight road, and it's dusty, windy today, isn't it? It's yeah, I'm quite surprised. We do have um, sandstorms or schmals, as they call them, which occurs uh, every now and again. It's like a foggy day over um, over the Garavog. Right, Sligo, really. Here's Loch Gale. Where is it? Oh, you can't see it. The mist is down. It's all this greenery here, you see. This was the complete desert. And they have spent quite a lot of money on planting, you see, these lovely palm trees. Spent a lot of money on watering the uh, constantly, every day. Sprinklers day and night go on to keep the lovely green look of the place. And where do they get all the water from then, um, here in the desert? They have the desalination plants. From the sea then, yeah? From the sea. Paddy, will you look at the camels over there? Look, over there. Right. Yeah. There's about six of them. Are they... They don't, they don't look that big from here. <laughs> they babies in Oli and Oro, They'd be a younger... Yeah, they look, they look quite small. And are they just wild camels here in the desert, are they? Or they're they... not wild, no. They would belong to a... Uh, to somebody but they're like Rome but you see here it's all fenced in yeah so they won't come across the road yeah so would, would camels wander onto the road I suppose they would yeah. at once before they put up all the fences they did yeah and you see the signs on beware of camels crossing um, but now no mm. that's too dangerous you hit one of those you know the car is oh jeez and the sand blowing across the road is that ever a hazard or does it ever overwhelm the roads do they have no. to Coming into oh, downtown. Into Dubai. What's the name of this road, Nolan, coming into Dubai? It's the Sheikh Zayed Road. You notice as we were leaving um, Abu Dhabi, it was the Sheikh Maktoum Road. That's Sheikh right. Maktoum is the uh, ruler of Dubai. And this one coming in was the Sheikh Zayed Road, who's the ruler of Abu Dhabi. Okay. And the president of the UAE. And you have here on the right hand side, do you see that? Um, you have your Emirates Tower, yeah. you see the tall one. Oh, I see. Oh, and there are two towers. Oh, look at that one there. It's all glass. It's all like mirrors. So you have the Eastern style architecture. Yeah. 
very impressive. Absolutely. Pint of Guinness. Cheers, thank you. Lovely pint of Guinness. Best Guinness you get in Dubai. Brendan O'Neill, you're here in the Irish village here in Dubai. That's right. Most of the customers would be you know, European anyway. Mm-hmm. I hear yeah. American accents. There's, well, there's, uh, there's uh, a few Americans in now. There's a ship in at the moment. I like Dubai. I love the Middle East. It's, it's, it's been good. It's been nice. Like, I mean, I'm here nearly three years now. And uh, I was at home and I wasn't doing an awful lot. And then, uh, but I had a small pub leased and then um, the lease was up on it. And then I was kind of looking around to see mm-hmm. when the pub... Where was that? The that was in Clifton because I'm from Clifton in Galway. I see. Uh, mm. What pub in Clifton was it? It used to be called Humpty's. Yes. Yeah. yes. Humanity, Small little pub. Humanity, Humanity Dicks. Dicks. That's, right. That's right. It was called Humanity Dicks before that, yeah. We're lucky that the, we're owned by the government here, uh, Dubai Duty Free. And the our, UAE government, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, the, uh, and the managing director of Dubai Duty Free is a Galway man from Law, Mr. Colin McLaughlin. And Colin ensures that uh, this Irish village out here is staffed, you know, mainly Irish staff. Um, so they advertise in the Connacht Tribune and the Examiner, and that's why I just looked at it and I thought, why not, you know? What I like most about here, I think, is the safety of the area. You know, I bring out um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of guys every year, about 17, 17 staff last year I brought out from Ireland. That'd be one of their concerns, or one of their parents' concerns, and I, I'm able to tell them with my hand on my heart that uh, they can go out here, they can feel safe walking down the streets, there's nobody going to hassle them or muggings mm-hmm. or anything of that sort. So it's very, very safe like that. That sounds wonderful. It is, yeah. I've never seen a city like it, to be honest. It is very warm out there. We had a bit of a sandstorm today. Yes, I noticed on the way a sandstorm, yeah. yeah. That's quite exotic, isn't it? Yeah. It's different, I have to say. Very, very different. different very yeah. nice, though. And when you're not working, how do you socialise? How do you enjoy oh, yourself? We have a great time over here. It's yeah. just um, everything is orientated towards ladies. Everything is free. Ladies go out and they can drink for free for the whole night in Dubai. It's all summer you can go you can drink for free. Always for ladies. Where the ladies go, the men will follow, definitely. Right. So they get the ladies in, they get the guys in, the guys drink. You'd want to exercise a bit of self-control, I think. It's all, it's unreal. That's why I've got a bit of a beer belly. (laughs) (laughs) It's great for the ladies because everything is free. Brilliant. But you don't get it, obviously. Yeah. No, but I mean, like, it's a location for a place for all the girls to go. So the fellas (laughs) obviously follow, like. Right. There's a pint of Guinness. You're great. Thanks very much. Cheers. Now, we're outside the pub here now in uh, Dubai. Uh, do you enjoy working and living here in uh, Dubai? Yeah, it's fantastic. Been here about six months now. The weather is a great bonus, mm-hmm. I must say. It's getting very hot now again, so, do you know? But the lifestyle, brilliant. Yes. Ladies, they drink free most nights in Dubai. Fantastic mm-hmm. it is. Do you know, beach the pool every day or whatever. Yeah. It's great. There's an awful lot of Irish and English over here. So, you know, we kind of all socialise together in that. You could walk anywhere at any hour of the morning and you'd be fine. No crime at all over here. And why is that? Are they just all very law-abiding people or what is it? I think or the, or um, natured people or what? The, no, I think the punishment is too severe over here, so it just keeps them away from it. <laughs> we, have no, we have no homemade meals here. We're like, the Irish village is the best yeah. that comes. <laughs> <laughs> Derek yeah, and his mash. You can eat pork here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can. We can't There's eat no pork, um, no pork or rashers or... Come here for our breakfast on a Friday morning. This is way more cosmopolitan than, like, you know, so many more Western people. Whereas in Sharjah, there's there's not many um, Westerners living there. Did a sheikh put in a rule that, or is it? Yeah, Yeah, because he no drinking. You have to be covered up completely. Well, up to your shoulders or your elbows, seemingly, and your knees. But you can get away with it. In Sharjah, then he's kind of cut back a lot. And you cover knees like I wouldn't really wear this in Sharjah. I'd be covered. You have a top on, you know, that has your arms are exposed. You're saying you wouldn't wear that. 
to no. Toyola thing. No, no. we're sort of t-shirt style and down, yeah, yeah. and down to pasture needs. I was, we went training one night actually and it was in um, Charge University where we were training and I was just wearing my Limerick jersey or whatever and I had a pair of shorts on and I completely forgot that it was in Sharjah because usually we train in Dubai, you know. And next thing, we were coming out of the university and the policemen were all kind of guarding the university and they stopped us and with myself and another girl and we were in our shorts. The next thing, they kind of said, do you know where you are? And we were like, yeah, we do. And she goes, do you understand the rules of this emirate? And we are like, what rules? You know, completely oblivious. Going, no, we'll just pretend we don't know. Like, And we just left us go anyway and gave us an old slap on the wrist and said, look, you have to be covered up. And the next week, they pulled us out of training in the university, seemingly because we were caught wearing... Like not being fully clothed and like you have right now your shoulders. No, I had a jersey. Like I had my shoulders were. It was just my knees that were showing. I see. And they were not impressed by it at all. Really, yeah. you don't walk down the street drunk. You don't go around wearing clothes that you can see your knees or your shoulder, and you just get on with it. It's fine. Being a dry state, does that bother you at all? Being a dry state while you're living in? Not really, because we come into Dubai an awful lot and we socialise here. <laughs> if you're a Free woman drinks. and you drink, basically you're sorted. sorted. I remember emailing all my friends at home, going, "Girls, get out here now," because. On Tuesday night you get maybe 10 free drinks and on a Wednesday night you go to other bars, different bars and you kind of do a bar kind of whatever, a bar um, crawl and you just get free drinks the whole night. You could go out with maybe a tenner and that's your taxi money. Yeah, that's yeah, amazing. Perfect. One pub gives five free drinks if you get in before a certain time then the next yeah. pub you've like two hours to drink that gets the next pub. Three free drinks, next pub. <laughs> do you get to speak any Arabic or meet any Arabic No, group? only when no. you're telling the children to be quiet. You go, halas, to tell them to stop, and just little things like that. Taxi that man, Sida, straight on. Yeah. <laughs> What's that one, God saving, God willing? Book, I, I can't think of that one. <laughs> it is good fun, I must say. It's total change. It's not, you don't know what to expect, but it's really good fun. Yeah. You get your standard of living here is just fantastic in comparison to what you'll be doing at home. I've yes. gone. We've been on four holidays this year since yeah. since August. That's teaching then as well. You yeah. Good so we were just back from Sri Lanka about a month ago. We went home to Ireland for two weeks. We went to Oman, been to Bahrain. Yeah. I'd go for a holiday in June when we finish up here. So yeah. it'd be five holidays in one year. Yeah, I'd like to go to Lebanon as well. Yeah. yeah. So what do people do in Sharjah to go out? Do they sit and drink coffee or? What? Um, yeah, it's yeah. more. You see all the men in their dish dashes and the women in their bi- women in their abayas and the women go shopping. The men sit down, have their coffee, and then they go. Yeah, that is basically it. They're, really all these men. Their culture is shopping. I think. Prayer time again, yeah? Prayer time, yeah. That's a prayer. Yeah. And Michelle, is there a mosque here in the souk here? In... No, I don't know if there's a mosque. If there's a mosque, This is here in Char- yeah. Charger. This is where you're living. Yeah, and we're just living every 15 minutes from here, I'd say, so... Great to come down. It's so cheap down here then as well. It's fantastic just to see it. And this particular souk or marketplace we're in, it seems to be mainly gold, is it? Or? Um, yeah, basically it's mainly gold and it's all 24 carats, so it doesn't look like the gold at home. It's all um, it's more of a coppery gold and it's much more expensive. But at home, if you were to buy it, it'd be it'd be unbelievably expensive. But here it's quite cheap. Get silver then as well, and then carpets and anything you want really. Pajminas, fantastic wall hangings, everything. Right. Everything and anything. 
Imagine. Get a great price. They'll haggle you down. They'll, or you can haggle them down, let's say, to great old prices. And what are you thinking of buying today? Um, hopefully for the ball on Thursday night. I'm going to see if I can buy a nice chain or something. But that's about it. May special your shelves here. Give me a better price. This is twenty feet like this. Twenty. The other man said he gave me for ten. This is different. Okay, this is it's different. different. Oh, this is at the. See the quality. Oh, this quality. is different. Okay. Yeah, this is we said sixty. This one. If, if I come back, you give it to me for twenty. Yeah. No problem. If you want this, I will give you them. No, I don't want to tell yes, them. I, I have a few of these already, so that's okay. This is different. This I'll is nicer. Eight, There's eight more of a design on this one. This oh, eight terms. Oh. Very good. Everybody else is ten. Good man. Yeah. Okay, maybe come back another. Uh, well, maybe later. Okay. Is this what I think it is? A, a hookah? Is it? Or? No, it's um a shish pipe. And what are you smoking it? But um, flavored tobacco. If you can get apple or blackcurrant or anything, you put it in here. Up in, they're like coals. Just put them in the top, and you smoke through it. It's just like regular tobacco, except it makes you feel really sick the next morning. Have we tried it? Yeah. <laughs> it makes you feel water. very, very sick. This is all filled with water, and the smoke goes down through it and up through the pipe. Then. It's like a hookah that would be used for smoking yeah. cannabis yeah. and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah but the exact same. Not but that I know. No, yeah. <laughs> but I understand that they're very severe on drugs in this country, are they? That they don't, yeah. yeah. Just no zero tolerance. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't. You never hear of them. Do you know at home you see them in, dro- in clubs and stuff? You never, ever, ever see them around here. You just wouldn't dare. You wouldn't. Actually, yeah, I'll have a diet coke, please. Go for the meals. No drinks here. None at all. No pubs, nothing. Very dry altogether. You're not allowed to mention pigs at all. Like we have books in school, um, Three Little Pigs. It's actually called Three Little Kids, uh, about goats instead. They're not, you're not allowed to mention pigs or you can't say the room is a pigsty, nothing. You're not allowed to mention them at all. They told you they still Yeah, yeah. They see them as disgusting and dirty and they just don't talk about them at all. Like they got stickers for the kids and it had very good with the pig in the background. And um, that was a big no-no. Yeah, and one teacher as well mentioned, I don't know who it was, they said, what you, was it you, Mary? I'm not sure. She was saying, like, look at your desk or look at your bag, it's a pigsty. And the minute you say it, all the kids go, you know, it's big, like, hesitant. And it's like, oh, my goodness, did you just say that? And The school hands them out to you and says, don't use the pig sticker. Don't use the pig sticker. So you can use the bears and everything else, but no pigs. And just looking around to see the people at the next table are in um, traditional dress, the man there is in uh, a dish dash, as it was called. uh, Yeah, dish dash. And I'm not sure what the head dress is called. I think it's the whole whole outfit is a dish dash. Yeah, the traditional Arab costume. Yeah, and the children then as well, they wear it. I'm walking past to see some of the women are wearing the black and others are not. So it seems to be like just a I think it depends. Yeah, a matter of choice and whether how religious they could be, or maybe they're I think it's the husband's, the husband's choice. choice as well. Because really. they can just have like the scarf, or they can have the whole of eye, or they can have their eyes covered and the hands covered, or you can just have your face showing. It depends. Yeah, I think when we got over here first, we were a little bit intimidated by the women going by, and mm, the men wasn't too bad. I think it was the women because I got the impression they were looking at you, kind of going, "Why aren't you covered up?" And you're showing too much of your body, and you know, you don't know if they're looking at you because they're, they're basically their face is covered, and it's very, it's very mysterious, kind of. And but then you just get used to it. Yeah. I think it can be kind of, I don't know. It, 
be it's kind of comfortable. I just yeah, think it has to be uncomfortable with the heat. Yeah. And just trying to eat, you have to pull out the face part and try and eat up under eat. that. Yeah. And try to walk around with it just down to your toes always. And you can just imagine as well what they're wearing underneath. If they look so good, I'd say they're they're stunning underneath their clothes. They're probably like fabulous. And they're buying the mini skirts and the little boot tubes and yeah. everything. And they're just, they obviously just, they dress up at home. They just don't do it in public. So. And are the people happy, do you think? <laughs> I'm sure they have their own, yeah, I'd say they are actually, but it's probably very sober happy that they are. We enjoy the, you know, the weekends going into Dubai and things like that, so, yeah. If you enjoyed this documentary, you might like to listen to our other Documentary on One productions. Visit rte.ie forward slash doc on one.